Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hello, everybody. I thought today I would read some things that I uh, polled listeners about. Um, I uh, sent out an email to people that write me all the time and things like that and asked them to tell me, you know, what kinds of things were the most valuable lesson they learned through caregiving. And not only that, but if they could give some advice to somebody facing this kind of disease, what would you say or do or what would you have done differently? So I wanted to read some of those today because I thought that some of the information is just really powerful and I thought uh, some of you might enjoy listening to it. So I asked, um, I'm not going to say names or anything like that, but I'm just going to read some of the things I put on a list that people said. So um When I asked what was the most valuable lesson you have learned from the experience of being a care partner or being the person with the diagnosis. And some of the things that uh, care partner said was, we're still learning every single day. I, I love that. If we ever think that we're done learning, then how can we possibly learn more? So I think that that is very, very true. Um, Someone else said, and this is not a surprise to anybody, but that uh, dementia diseases affect the entire family. That's true. That, uh, yeah. I wrote that down. I'm I'm not sure what a valuable lesson that is, um, unless it's just more clarity that nobody escapes this. We just have to do what we have to do to get through all of this. Um, But, you know, nonetheless, I like that somebody wrote in and said that. Someone else said um, that they needed to be more patient. That's the thing that they learned throughout this process. And and they, they should have planned ahead. They wish they could have planned ahead while the person that they took care of was still alert enough to be part of it. And I actually thought that was very thoughtful. I think that's really, really thoughtful, actually, and I appreciate that comment because so many times we leave people out of the conversation. I don't think we mean to, but we just assume that because they're having some cognitive loss or memory loss that maybe they don't have any valuable information to still give to us, which we know is absolutely not true. So I really like that one. Um, Somebody else wrote about sort of the afterlife after all this. Uh, Make sure you have a living will. That's what I learned. Um, And to prearrange the funeral talk over important decisions as a family about feeding tubes and um, resuscitating and and those kinds of things. And again, love, love, love those comments. I think that's, that's so true. 
the living wills are in in Colorado. It's called a most form, but uh, living wills are really good because it says, "Do not resuscitate me if I get sick. If I am in late stage any of these dementia diseases, don't save me if I get the flu." These are important, important things that we should consider and and make sure we have all this in writing. I had somebody the other day talk to me about a feeding tube for a person with Parkinson's disease. And I've been very vocal about not believing that that's a good idea. I just think feeding tubes as a whole are just not a good idea. But this person with Parkinson's is in no danger of dying and still has some good quality of life left for maybe several more years. So with that, I I had to really kind of rethink my theory on that. As a whole, I don't think it's a good idea to keep somebody alive with Alzheimer's um, with a feeding tube, but that's just that. So all right. Other things that people said. Um, everyone says they will help, but they don't. Wow. Yeah. That was a hard lesson to learn, I would guess. You know, it's true. Uh, I've been very hard on family members who don't help. I've made no secret about it. But I think that one's pretty powerful. Everyone says they will help, but they don't. Hmm. Well, sometimes the tables get turned. I had someone else say they feel very blessed for every good day that they had because not all of them were good. Um, that they lived each day to the fullest and they kept a positive attitude. That's really good. I spoke at a Optimist Club this morning and I was talking about hope, hope with any of these diseases and, you know, always seeing what people can do, not what they've lost, that we can live a good life after a diagnosis. My friends Dave and Jenny are just great examples of that. And that really plays into what that person said. Um, Someone else said what they learned, their most valuable experience is to pray always, pray often, pray deeply. Yeah, I agree with that. I like a good prayer when you need it. I also like action when you need it. I don't think we can always rely on prayers. I think people need to be involved in research. People need to get off their chair and move and do something, be part of a walk somewhere near you, give money to your local Alzheimer's Association or whatever it is, uh, local research that's going on in your city. I love that those folks pray. Love, love, love it. And if you're listening, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. But um, I do think that with praying, we need action. We need it badly. Someone else said they wished 
in their most valuable lesson that they wish that they had written down family history before it was too late. I've talked at length about doing journals and things like that. So I hope that uh, some of you out there will heed that warning and, and you know, use that uh, dragon nuance where you can speak into the computer and it types for you or um, dictate for someone and write down their life history. Maybe do it one hour a day or one or two times a week or something like that. Get their history down. That's a, I actually really, really like that one. Um, someone else said they wish they would have been able to seek help sooner. Well, if you're listening to this show, you have already done that. So major kudos to all my listeners over the last five years who uh, write me, who listen religiously, that um, write emails to me on the shows that answer emails when I send them out and ask you questions and things like that. Love you guys. I love that you that you looked for help. You're seeking information. You're seeking resources. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Someone else said their most valuable experience was that they realized that life is short. So say what you need to say so it's never too late. Huh, that was a good one. <laughs> That's a really good one. I like that. Someone else said their most valuable lesson is learning to smile more often. Give people your time. Don't sweat the small stuff. There's still time for enjoyment to be had. I love that. Again, that feeds back into what I was saying about being at the Optimist Club today and talking about staying positive because I think it's really important. I think we can get mired down in all the hard work of caregiving and and so on and so forth, but I think there's still a lot to be shared. There's a lot of joy to be had. Maybe I'm just feeling a little nostalgic because the holidays are coming up, but I like that. I really do. Yeah. So someone else said to me um, that they, the most valuable lesson they learned was that career and personal goals aren't everything in life. That human connections and caring are the most important aspects of life. Thank you, Christy. I want to th- thank her for that. that. That's really huge. That's really huge. And I'm guessing that Christy put her personal goals aside to care for her dad. Oh, I think that's beautiful. I really do. I really do. Um, Jolene said, "Every enjoy the time you have with them and help as much as you can. Even in the nursing home, I went every day and always checked on my mom's care. Well, Jolene, I appreciate you doing that. Sometimes family members don't want to go into the nursing homes. They don't want to see their loved ones like that. They they get really upset and uptight thinking maybe that this might be in their future. 
So people are afraid to do that. So God bless you for going to see your mom every day. I love that. Another person said, don't give up too soon. There's a lot of good days in there. And I didn't want to miss any of them. That was Jenny talking about taking care of her mom. Um, <laughs> someone said, I learned that you can lie to her. Well, I am a big fan of thera therapeutic fibs. Um, I don't think that you have to tell them that people that are missing in their life uh, just died or, or have died, um, especially when they're going back in time and they're looking for somebody. <laughs> but that's pretty funny. I learned that you can lie to her. Um, here was a good one. I have to live my life one day at a time and don't put on a... a don't put off activities until tomorrow because I might someday get Alzheimer's too. Yeah. Yeah. Kathy, that is true. I live by that very theory that we need to always push forward, always do what we can, live and be happy. Do your best to do that because I'm telling you, it can go by fast. And I see, I see family after family sometimes with dashed hopes and, and dreams that were lost. So do what you can. I had somebody else write in and say, friends are so special. I still go to support groups so I can help others who are just going through it just now. Yeah, that's somebody that's in, actually in my support group right now. And I appreciate you, and I appreciate everything that you bring to our support group, by the way. I will never give names because sometimes family members don't want to know that their loved one is going to a support group about them. So I won't say anything, but to the person that wrote that, um, you are a very special and very positive light. And I appreciate you. Um, I had somebody else say, we need to live every day. Don't leave things unsaid. Help when and wherever you can. Enjoy friends and family. Get your estate and personal things in order. Yeah. Yep. That goes back to what somebody said earlier about making sure that you have the living, living wills. I can't talk right today, my friends. <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but changing the clocks back is making me crazy. If anybody has a dog, you know what I mean. Oh, my gosh. My dog around 5, 5.30 every morning is trying to wake me up, and we used to get up at 6.30, and she thinks that's the time. And uh, so this morning I got up at 5 a.m., and I'm in the studio at, at 5 p.m., and uh, running on empty. So forgive me if I struggle just a little bit today. <laughs> uh, someone else said, enjoy every minute of life and the people around you. Show them love and care, and hopefully you'll get it in return. Oh, I love that. Yes, that is so true because... 
We know that our friends with Alzheimer's mirror our emotions. If we're happy, they're happy. If we're sad, they're sad. So I think that that um, really holds water. That's so true. Uh, someone else said, get prepared, get information, plan ahead the the inevitable next step in the progression. Life is precious and too short. We should live how we want and be happy. Face responsibility. Ooh, that was a good one. That was a good one. I like the last part of that. Face responsibility. You know, I did a show about a month ago talking about if you don't want the job of being a caregiver, please don't ask or sign up or volunteer to do it. Because nine times out of ten... Um, you're going to get burnout. You're going to get angry. You're not going to put your best foot forward. So for somebody to say the most valuable thing that they learned from this experience was to face responsibility is deep. I mean, that's pretty deep. Wow. Wow. Yep. Um... Someone else said there can be quality of life even when life has a dementia illness in it. How lucky I am that my dad was easy to get along with, sick or well. It didn't matter. Also, it helped that I studied psychology. (laughs) Excellent. Anything you can do, anything you can do, to come to the table with the best strategy you have and apply the best techniques you have. And if you took psychology courses and that made you a better caregiver, God bless you. That's what I have to say. It matters because we have to try to do the best we can do. And the more training and the more love that you bring to it, I think the better it is. Somebody else said uh, one of the lessons that they learned was they hope that a person catches it soon in the early stages and if they have to, find a better nursing facility for dementia. Oh, that's kind of sad. So a person named Robert sent that to me. Robert. Um, Wow. Wow. I talk a lot about looking for good communities, how hard it is. Pop in on them. um, Surprise them. You know, so you make sure you've got it, that they're giving you what the bill of goods is that they sold you and all that kind of stuff. But that's, uh, that's pretty deep. So Robert's wife did not have a good situation at her nursing home. I'm very sorry, Robert. Hmm. I wish you lived near me, but I'm glad you listened to the show. 
Um, other people have said things like it brought me closer to my mom and dad. Um, it made me kinder and a gentler person. I love that. And keep them close as long as possible, but don't let yourself get to the point of exhaustion. I really love that. These are really, really wonderful. We're going to take a short break, and when I come back, I had asked three questions, and so I took pieces out of emails I got from various people and and uh, am reading you, you know, some of the things that they said. So... I have taken a little bit of this out of context um, from different emails that I got. But we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more. Carillon at Bellevue Station is a residential community enriching the senior living experience. Our community, full of grandeur and elegance, is located near Cherry Hills, Colorado. We offer independent living and personalized assisted living services and an intimate, caring neighborhood for our residents with Alzheimer's and other dementias. A beautifully appointed spacious apartment, chef-prepared meals, transportation services, and a team devoted to your safety and wellness are what awaits you when you reside at Carillon at Bellevue Station. Call 720-440-8200 or visit carillon at bellevuestation.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so I'm reading you listeners' comments. So the second phase of this I had asked uh, in the email I sent out to some of my listeners, what advice would you give to someone facing this kind of diagnosis within their own family? And I got some, you know, sort of standard answers like take one day at a time. Um, be patient, contact the Alzheimer's Association, all good stuff. Uh, join a support group. Um, I had someone who said, find out all the information you can. Make sure you've got the best doctors. Now, you know, I like that comment because many of you know that I do in-home assessments and then I send that information to the neurologist that I work with at University of Colorado Hospital and other other places. And I think that that connection between the patient who is my client, the hospital, and the information that I glean and then send in a report, I know that makes people feel incredibly supported. I know it does. It just makes people feel incredibly supported. So I hope that's what that person means by make sure you've got the best doctors. I think it's important to have doctors who are kind and thoughtful and will talk to you and give you the best time and be creative in their approaches because we're changing the face of how we work with various dementias these days. We really, really are. I think we have had an awakening 
And I'm really happy about that. So other things people said, um, talk to others in similar situations. Well, you can do that in a support group. Talk to each other, you know. Um, That's what support groups are about. So I encourage all of you to get in one if you possibly can. Um, I do a Zoom call on the first Friday of every month. And if you just email me, I will send you the information. You can get in on that call. That's that's people joining on Zoom. Um, I had so many people this past Friday that I had to actually go an hour and a half instead of an hour. But I don't care. Uh, the more the merrier is how I look at it. Um, someone else said, keep your sense of humor. (laughs) I'm all for that. I'll tell you what, find as many moments of joy as you possibly can. You just go for it. As many moments of joy as you can find. And that goes right along with seeking and accepting help early on. Um, I think those of you who are more open have a more open dialogue with your person with the diagnosis, uh, the more honest and and uh, transparent you can be with family and friends. Huge, huge. I think it makes a big, big, big difference in the way the progression of the disease goes. When, when people stay united with their family, It's a beautiful thing. The family approach gets people through so much. I mean, it just does. And the bottom line is, it helps you provide the best care you can give when you're not doing it alone, when you can share the care with a village of people, right? Yeah. Uh, Someone else said use adult daycares and home health services. A lot of adult daycares closed down during the pandemic. I'm very, very, very sad about that. We lost a lot of community resources. We just did, you know. Um, The home health care places are still up and running. And if you can get home health care, you can get people to come in and maybe do a little laundry cleanup just a little bit, um, help with meals, help with medicine reminders, help with activities and showering and things like that. I think it's a, just a beautiful thing. Um, whew, what advice would you give to someone facing this kind of disease? Uh, this person said, delay nursing home placement as long as possible. Someone else said, get on a waiting list for a good nursing home. Well, that's both sides of that coin, isn't it? (laughs) I wrote those down together on purpose. I would love it if we could keep people at home as long as possible. But it's not always possible. Sometimes the scope of care becomes too much and people can't handle that load alone. And if you don't have help, if you don't have resources, that can be very, very difficult. So I agree getting on a waiting list for a good nursing home is paramount. I think you need to do that. I think you need to 
Always look in advance. Don't look when you're in a trauma situation when they've fallen and broken a hip or something like that. That's never a good idea. Um, trying to go and look when your person's in a skilled nursing or in a hospital or something like that, bad, 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 because they will try to kick them out of wherever they are as quickly as they possibly can. So that is something we want to, you know, really, really uh, try to avoid. Um, if you don't have any money, Medicaid places sometimes have a two-year waiting list. So I would get that in order as quickly as possible if you're feeling tired and worn out as a caregiver. Go around and look at the Medicaid places wherever you live, wherever you are in the world, um, and get on their waiting list because they are long. And it's going to get worse because I don't think people today are buying long-term care insurance plans. In fact, I'll bet you if I polled 1,000 people Young people today are not thinking about that. And I will tell you, just about every senior I meet today has a long-term care insurance policy that is paying for their person to be in a nursing home. The difference is striking. And in 30 years, no one's going to have money for these private pays. Nobody. They're not. And the prices just keep going higher and higher. People, please think about these things. Invest in something. Put money away in savings. Um, do a retirement plan with some company or something because um, you don't want to live in one of these Medicaid places. I'm telling you, you do not. And my apologies to every Medicaid place out there that's doing a good job. I love you. Because I know it's difficult. The people that come there want the same love and attention that private pay play, pay places have. And it's just probably not realistic. Um, other things that people said are do everything you do with love. Put family differences aside. Stop fighting. Ooh. That's a tough one, especially when you have people that don't help. That can be really destructive and difficult. Um, have people help around the house. Yeah, anytime you can get help, do it. When people ask you what you need, don't let your pride get in the way. If they ask, can I help you in some way, Use a share the care plan and ask them if they could maybe come over and clean one day a month or something. Just one room um, if you need to. Uh, have them spell you for a little while so you can go to Starbucks or go for a walk or a run or go play tennis or pickleball or whatever you want. Um, but when somebody asks you what you need, have an idea for them. It's hard to do this by yourself. Um, somebody said, don't assume, assume the worst. Yeah, that's true. Somebody else said, take advantage of the good times. That kind of feeds into what I just said. Someone else said, it is a long journey. Someone else said, pass along books that you've read. 
Go to classes. Be understanding. Yeah. If you've read a good book, tell people about it. Pass it along. Somebody asked me today at the Optimist Club where I was speaking if I had a book about nutrition and stuff like that. I actually don't. Um, if I find a good one, I will let you know. But that was a really excellent question. What advice would you give to someone facing this kind of diagnosis? Let me help you, someone said. Don't abandon each other. Oh, wow. Let me help you. Don't abandon each other. Be kind to yourself. Those are good ones. Oh, I love that. I have to read that again. What advice would you give to someone facing this kind of diagnosis with their own family, within their own family? Let me help you. So often people just want to do it themselves. They're afraid. I had somebody tell me recently that if they say that they have Alzheimer's, then it's going to make it real. I think that's really interesting because whether or not you say it out loud, if you have it, you have it. You can't wish it away. So I think that's kind of a weird thing to say, but... um that's okay. I mean, everybody's got their own thing. But the more you live in denial, the harder you're making your own journey. Somebody else said, don't take anything for granted. Yeah. Um, I found this quote. Ronald Reagan's daughter had said, remember that spirit of the person is still there. And I really, I, I always think that. I always think that that person is still inside there somewhere. I think it, it really, really matters that we remember who they were. They were somebody before they got this diagnosis, so don't write them off too soon. Um, I've talked at length about making videos or journals of the person or doing um, the video calls with family members and stuff. And somebody wrote in, make videos while the person is able to talk and know who they are and who you are. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I actually got that from a friend of mine who is Mrs. Colorado, and she was talking about her mom. I thought that was really beautiful. Um, try to understand that the person is more confused than you. Just give them lots of love because they deserve it. And so do you. Aw. All right. I love that one. They are more confused than you. You're the only one that's not confused, hopefully. Um, this is one of my favorite ones. Don't be afraid to talk about the disease. Tell your friends and family about what changes are coming and how to communicate. Learn about the disease. It requires planning and insights from others. Treat the person with dignity and respect. And laugh. It's better than crying. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I think that might be one of my favorites that one of my clients sent in. I I 
always think that you should talk about the disease. That's just me. I I feel like when you're open about it, it's not as scary. I think we can accomplish more when we are more transparent. I I just really think that. So I love, love, love that one. Um, somebody said, I would advise them to keep living. Go to the movies. Dine out with friends. Include your loved one every chance you can. It's not over yet. You will never regret it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I've talked at length about um, Spring Ridge Park that my friend Stacy Naslin runs, and she takes her residents to the movies. They take their residents out to dinner. They have picnics in the park. They do a fire pit and let everybody sit around it and roast marshmallows and, and weenies and stuff like that. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff. Keep living. That was that was really great. Um, whenever you can, give the caregiver paid nights off when they need it. A dinner, a trip to the spa, a membership to the gym or the health club, and a possible pay health insurance for caregivers. The holidays are coming. And if you know somebody who is caring for a person with a dementia disease, please do something nice like that for them. Give them money to pay for bills. Um, give them a day at the spa. Treat them to a, a dinner at a great restaurant. Membership to a, to a gym. I really think that's wonderful. Maybe dinner and a movie or something like that. Really think about that. Uh, a primary caregiver who could use something really wonderful for Christmas. I think that would be beautiful. Um, someone else said, when he said something that was not right, let it go unless it's a danger to him. He wrecked our car. I couldn't allow him to drive again. That was very hard. And removing guns from the house felt devastating to my dad. You know, I think that person, by the way, her father just passed away on September 7th. Deepest condolences, by the way. Um, and I'm going to say that I feel like the person that wrote that just did an amazing, amazing job of maintaining her dad's dignity. And understanding how painful that was for him to lose his independence and his driver's license. And because he was a hunter for many, many years and so on and so forth, removing guns out of the house. Because at a point uh, in the earlier days of his Alzheimer's, he was uh, pretty suicidal. And she wanted to make sure he didn't go out that way. So um, to her, I, I thank her for that and for all that she did for her dad. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. 
Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988, to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, we're back. So um, I was asking about, you know, what you would tell someone else. Um, And I just wanted to finish up that somebody said there's lots of very bad people out there who prey on older people. The time prior to diagnosis is a great time for unscrupulous people to usurp usurp them. Somehow the word gets out and lots of people try to get involved. Unfortunately, my mom got swindled. That's really a tough one. That's just really tough. I've done whole shows. Um, I've had Carrie Johnson on several times talking about uh, people being swindled. And and uh, that person that wrote that was so right. Um, the only the some of the ways that you can do that is make their um, bank account um, everything a lot electronic payments. You could forward their phone to you if you needed to. Uh, you can do the um, safety things to get rid of robocalls and stuff like that. Um, if needed, go back to my shows with Carrie Johnson, C-A-R-Y Johnson. On my website, summitresiliencetraining.com, you will see under my blog and podcast page that there's a search bar and just put in Carrie Johnson and listen to those shows Great information. Great information. And I will say, <laughs> Brian, my engineer, uh, loved that show with Carrie because he just has such a smooth voice. <laughs> he was really great. So the last part of it was I asked what people had done or said differently, what they wish they would have done or said differently. Um. One said, I wish I would have been referred to you sooner. Oh, God bless you. I appreciate that. I truly do. Take that to heart. Love, love, love that one. Um, 
been referred to a clinic sooner. Yeah. I think um, sometimes we go a little bit too long and it gives a person a chance to get too far down the line and then they get resentful or quiet or unsure about sharing with other people. I think the sooner you can get into a clinic, the better. Um, Obviously, several people said, I wish I would have been more patient. Uh, One person said, I wish I would have gotten a definite diagnosis sooner. Even though we can't change the diagnosis and there are no cures for any of the dementia diseases, again, I always believe that there are things we can do to live well with these diagnoses. And I totally agree with that statement. Um, somebody earlier had said, you know, wait, wait as long as you can for nursing homes. And that person also said kept him out of the nursing home longer. That is just sad to me. That is just really sad to me. Um, another person said they wished that they had made the transition from independent to assisted living sooner. That was a person with a diagnosis that told me that. Um, and I got kind of a good letter from that person saying uh, they really struggled in the independent living to remember to take a bath or a shower wearing the same clothes a couple days in a row. Um forgetting to go down to dinner at the main hall dinner area. If they were in assisted living, they would have had reminders for all those things. And I thought that was really astute of that particular person to say, I wish that I would have made that transition sooner. I had several people that wrote that they wish they would have stopped their loved one from driving sooner. Um, On behalf of the entire world and people on the road out there, God bless all of you who wrote in and said that. Um, It is not a good thing for somebody with cognitive impairment or memory loss to be operating a motor vehicle. So um, for any of you out there who are waiting to take the keys away, please don't wait another second longer. Think about it. Work it out. Again, on several shows, I've had conversations about taking the car keys away and ways to do that. So if you're struggling with it, visit my website under my knowledge center. Um, this was a tough one to read, probably going to be tough for you guys to hear, but someone said, I wish I would have not gotten angry at her. And I also wish I would not have moved her into our home. That is about as honest as it gets. Again, I had a show recently asking people to really be sure before you make these kinds of commitments. The person that wrote this uh, wrote a lot more in the email that they sent me, but um, it nearly caused a divorce for this couple who took uh, mom, mother-in-law into the house really, really hard. And they had a lot of trouble getting other family members to help, getting other people involved. Um, So it just became so emotionally taxing. 
and they waited a long time to take classes or read books and things like that. So they were super impatient with that person. So they didn't recognize the signs and the symptoms kind of fast enough and um, were just getting angry with her all the time. So that's really – that's just really hard. It's just really hard. Um, my heart goes out to him. Someone else said, I wish I would have spent more time with her. That was a son who said that about his mom. Uh, and he also said he wished he had taken her to adult daycare soon, sooner because she really enjoyed it quite a bit <laughs> until the pandemic hit and they um, couldn't do it anymore. And then most of them shut down. This one was really honest. I got a one-word answer. What do you wish you had done differently or said differently? And they said nothing. <laughs> Good for you. If you were perfect, more power to you. <laughs> um, one person said, I wish I would not have had a feeding tube inserted after my mom's stroke. I talked about that earlier. Someone else said, I still wish I had gotten a second opinion. But that's wishful thinking. Amen to that, right? I wish I had forced her to a doctor earlier, but we did get her to the doctor by lying. <laughs> that was the person earlier that said, um, I learned to lie. I'm sorry about that, John. <laughs> I wish I would have insisted on meds earlier, especially those to treat depression. You know, I agree with that because uh, depression is a big part of having a disease like Alzheimer's. And if somebody is struggling with it and you can give them a medication that can bring them up just a little bit, why not? Why not? Somebody else said I tend to push I tend to push him to keep trying. And I've had to learn the signals when he's having a bad day and not push him so hard. That was one of my people about her husband. She felt like she was just a little too hard on him and and tried to push him into doing things. Yeah. So a couple more. Um, we wished we would have lived in a one-floor house. Like a ranch, I'm guessing. He fell down our steps, and I still feel guilty about that. Yeah, that's tough, you know? Especially if that person has Parkinson's or something like that. They have a tendency to fall. Um, spatially, we know they can't see the stairs. So give yourself a little break on that, the person that wrote in that. Uh, one of my my dear, dear people that is in my support group and has been in my support group for four years said, I... I wish I would have talked to our children more honestly about how things were. It was harder on me than 
they ever knew. And I wish that we had realized how far along he really was and known the known the that the full care facility was going to be more comfortable for him than being in my home. You know, that's a tough one. And that particular person had to move her husband three times. Really, really tough. Yeah. Somebody else said, I had dad tell mom what he told some of us kids. When I get really bad, don't let mom take care of me. Oh, wow. Wow, that's cold. Whoo. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's cold. Don't let mom take care of me. Yikes. Well, you know, I say, be careful about what you choose to do. On the other hand, be careful about who you pick take care of you. It doesn't have to be the person that you're married to. It can be somebody else. That's a great example right there. He was calling it. <laughs> He's like, uh-uh. No. No, no, no. I wonder how long they had been married. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, one, that one's about as cold as your ex's heart, huh? Woo! <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, wow. As people look back, you know, I got all kinds of responses, like it brought us close together as a family. We got better communication with each other, just purely out of necessity. Um, I think these are the impacts that that this disease has on people. Not only the financial difficulties, but the the pure guilt that comes along with years and years of baggage sometimes. Um, when people don't get along with families and stuff like that. Other people kind of realize that they needed to take care of their own health. I'm, I, I'm in that realm, right? Absolutely. And, you know, being able to focus on somebody else and not yourself and your busy lives, I think makes people better, just like having an animal, I think makes people better. I think some of the things that that caregivers lament is losing the person that they loved, losing a person who was loving, You know, we all hope and pray we never have to see anybody suffer from it again. But the truth of the matter is they will and they will until we find a cure. And I think with a lot of people, it just leaves a, a huge hole in your heart. It leaves a great sadness and 
really longing for that person that used to be. And then on the other hand, we can look back with smiles on our face and and know that we did the best we could, that we gave it our best shot, that we were loving and caring and warm and and generous to that person. And when you some of you when you do bring them into your home, you know, you give that person a place to call home and give them an inner circle a family that that can care for them and support them. Beautiful. So it doesn't all have to be bad. It doesn't all have to be bad. You know, I think in this mix of of, you know, asking people how they felt and and what takeaways they had and all that kind of stuff. Um for my family, I think we all became very close. And every one of us appreciated what other people brought to the table. I think in my family, we did a really good job of of learning as much as we could uh, to just give our mom the best care we possibly could have. I try to do that with my clients now. And I'm really great, me personally, I'm really grateful that we were able to really lovingly care for my mom. It you know it's a it's a hard 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 disease, and trying to let people be who they are and and visit the times that they want to and and people who helped by bringing food over or you know painting my mom's nails and you know stuff like that just. Uh, I look back on my mom's disease and really just think that I know that she felt loved. We had one little blip where she was abused at a nursing home. But other than that, I think she genuinely felt loved. And I genuinely love all of you for writing me, for letting me know when the shows mean something to you, um, letting me know how much it helps you. Uh, that You know, I can talk all day long, and if you don't listen, there's nothing I can do. I can lead a horse to water. But you do listen. My Caregiver Nation, I love each and every one of you in all the corners of the world. You blow my mind that you listen week in and week out. I have thousands of listeners to each show, and uh, I just really appreciate that you trust my uh, teaching, that you trust my experience, that you think I'm knowledgeable, and I hope it helps you be a better care partner. So with that, much admiration. And I'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, 
resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.